0: Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English by listening to different subjects being talked about in a natural way by a range of different English speakers and at the same time to learn more about life in this country. For new listeners... And a reminder for old listeners, we choose some of our topics from the subjects which are covered in the Official Government Guide to Becoming a British Citizen. And a number of these are historical ones. So today we're going to talk about a period known as the Industrial Revolution when Britain became the first country in the world to transform from a largely rural and agricultural society to one that was dominated by industry of various kinds. Today's episode is brought to you by Sheena, John and myself, Mark.
1: Well hello Mark and John, nice hello, to see you, nice to see you again and how are you today, John how are you? I'm
2: pretty good yeah, But Sheena, you?
1: Yes, yes the same as ever really and good what luck. about you Mark, have you been up to anything interesting?
0: Um, yeah I'm good thank you Sheena, uh, nothing terribly exciting but I did go for a walk in the park this morning which was very nice.
1: Yes, I think once you go outside, it's always lovely, isn't it? Sometimes it's just getting out that's the issue. Well, I'd like to welcome all the listeners as well to today's podcast for Life in the UK. And we are going to be talking about the Industrial Revolution in Great Britain. But last week, I really enjoyed listening to your podcast because a lot of that podcast was about Halifax Calderdale where I've lived all my life and you talked a lot about the impact of the industrial revolution that is around us everywhere in Halifax the um from the lots of mills and factories that are still here some being put to different uses now and to the countryside with its boggy hillsides that proved to be quite useful when it came to the um the start of the Industrial Revolution. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about how the impact of the revolution on the rest of the UK. And I think we're going to start with you, John. Is that all right? Could you tell us about the conditions that led to the Industrial Revolution?
2: Yeah. So the the period that we're looking at when we talk about, when historians talk about the first Industrial Revolution, is roughly from about 1750 to about 1830. Um, So that's the period that we're looking at today. So if you remember from one of our previous podcasts, we talked about um, the Glorious Revolution, the period after the Civil War. So at this time, we've had roughly 100 years of peace and stability in Great Britain, uh, and we've had a growth in various industries, something that uh, Mark's going to talk about a little bit later. But this um, period of stability coincided with an increase in scientific exploration, in experimentation, and this was one of the things that led to the Industrial Revolution. Another very important thing that we touched on in last week's podcast was that the areas uh, of the north of England specifically where the industrial revolution took hold had all the, what we refer to as raw materials. So we had lots of wool, obviously for the woolen industry. We had a, a lot of rain, it's raining today in Halifax. <laughs> um, so we had the, the, the geography to run things like water wheels to provide power for the new industrial systems. We also had a lot of coal and a lot of iron ore, all in one place. So we had the geographic conditions, the political conditions and the raw materials, all of which came together to provide the basis for the Industrial Revolution. One of the keys to the the industrial development in this time was a series of very important inventions, which I think, Mark, you can tell us a little bit about now, can you? Yes, so
0: I think what we have to remember is just before this period, England was very much an agriculture-based society. It was farming It was rural. There were towns and cities, but not very many people in them. Lots of people lived out in the countryside and people worked at home. Um, They were sometimes called cottage industries. A cottage is just a small home, a small house. So people worked in their own home. They either were working the land as farmers or they were making things in their own homes. So making clothes was one of the things, for example, that people did locally. But then came these inventions. So a series of inventions happened over a period of about 20 to 30 years, which made it possible to make large quantities of cloth and and to do that in a very efficient way compared with the way it'd been done before so first of all some of these the first inventions were driven by water so they had we had water wheels that could drive the machines and then later we had the invention of the steam engine and therefore you had machines that could operate using steam as the as the source of power And so these inventions over a period of time made it possible to produce large amounts of cloth in particular, but also iron and later steel, um, and to do that in large buildings in factories. So this was the beginning of the factory system where people were coming together to work in a single place in these huge factories and mills that were built at that time and so these factories they were in what became the towns and the big cities of particularly the north of England so Manchester for example there was an enormous growth in that city as more mills and more factories were were built there so we get what we call urbanization so that is people moving from the rural areas the countryside into the towns and the cities and that's the beginning of an urbanization which actually is still going on today particularly in other parts of the world actually rather than necessarily in this country but urbanization is a really important part of that and along with that went huge increases and in important changes in transport because you needed to bring in some of these raw materials then the product that you produce the clothes the iron the steel had to be transported to where it was needed and so two major changes in the transport system the first was canals particularly the north of england but actually all over the united kingdom There still is today a system of canals. So these are man-made waterways that could transport things over quite large distances relatively cheaply. However, not very quickly. It took quite a long time. And so after the invention of the steam engine, we get the beginning of the railways and it's the railways that become absolutely crucial for the growth of all these industries moving around the products uh, around the country.
1: Great. Thank you, Mark. I've read lots of novels and seen films about the early days of the Industrial Revolution and the conditions for people in the factories look dreadful. So was the resistance to what was happening
2: well just from what marks talking about there sheena in terms of the uh, what we referred to as urbanization a huge change in uh, in the makeup of the country of how people live their lives uh, and in the population numbers itself so from the, the late 1700s until 1810 britain went from a nation of 5 million to 10 million people and then between 1810 and 1870 it went from 10 million The 20 million people, doubling and then another doubling of the population. Now, by the 1851, when we held what was called the Great Exhibition, uh, this was at a place called Crystal Palace, which football supporters might be familiar with. Um, This was a huge exhibition uh, that was put on to showcase our new society and our new inventions and our new work practices. Now, by this stage, only a quarter of the population living on the land. The rest were in these large cities that Marx talked about, Manchester, Bradford. So this growth, you can imagine a city grows so quickly. We look at places in China now that are growing at these breakneck speeds. Millions of people were pushed into these new cities. And as you rightly point out, some of the working and living conditions became very, very difficult. Now, the first thing that they had to deal with was a change in time, how they lived their lives. So people who'd been agricultural workers had worked in the summer, they'd worked at harvest time. A lot of the year, they might not be working as hard. Uh, They'd also worked when it was light and stopped working when it was dark. The opening of the factories meant that people could work with man-made light and they could work from five o'clock in the morning until midnight. So they were working very, very long hours, sometimes seven days a week. And the conditions that they were living in were very overcrowded. So we saw the growth of, of what is known as slums in industrial cities like Manchester, Bradford, and other places. Um, and with it, we saw the growth in uh, disease, things like cholera. Um, this is an area, an era and, and, a, and a type of living very well documented by people like Elizabeth Gaskell or Charles Dickens, if you've ever read any of these novels.
1: Uh, people were yeah, yeah. living
2: in very difficult conditions. Now, there was... Um, a resistance to this, there was organisations, the workers themselves joined together uh, and cooperated, they set up things like the Cooperative Society, they set up things like trade unions, Um, they organised politically in terms of the Chartists and other organisations to try and improve their lot and to make working conditions and living conditions better in these, these new industrial cities. The state itself, they were brought in acts around public health, around education, to try and ameliorate these conditions to make life better.
0: As Britain became more and more successful at producing these goods, so it became important that we were trading with the rest of the world. So John, tell us a bit about the the broader picture of what was happening in the rest well, of the a, world. Well,
2: a large um, driver for the Industrial Revolution in this country was that there were two things, really. The British Empire was a big part of it, because on the one hand, we had access to raw materials, and on the other hand, we had markets in which to sell the finished goods. So if you look at Lancashire, for example, where the cotton was being spun, which was a major um, part of the Industrial Revolution, a lot of that cotton came from the southern states of America, from Brazil, from the Caribbean. It's actually been grown Uh, and harvested by slave labor in many of these places. So the slave trade, as it was known, was figuring the Industrial Revolution. On the other hand, we had markets in the empire. So places like Canada, India, where we could sell our finished goods. So it gave us a a very important market. Um, And in terms of the wider world, well, uh, Britain was at the forefront. So in the mid 1800s, we were known as the workshop of the world. It's a very famous phrase. We were soon caught up in industrialization. Countries like Belgium, Germany began to industrialize. And obviously the United States, by the late 19th century, the United States, especially in terms of steel production, is really catching up. And in many ways, um, overtaking Great Britain has been uh, the world's number one industrial economy.
0: I guess we could say that this was a really important period in the growth of Britain as a
2: world power. Very much so, yeah. Um, Historians are not really in any doubt about this. This era in history is, uh, as I say, is the birth of the modern industry, the modern political world as we know it today. And when we look at places like China now going through their own industrial revolutions, we can see... The, the history that we've lived through in the past recreating itself in, in China and other places in the 21st century.
1: So, Mark, you mentioned the slave trade just then. Um, it would be good to maybe discuss this at more length, but my understanding is that perhaps a lot of the the wealth of the British Empire and the indust this industrialization that we're talking about, um part of the success was because we the way we treated people outside this country in the way that we dehumanized people and and we exploited them
0: absolutely you know clearly there were some real huge positives that came out of this period but the terrible conditions in the factories that we talked about children working in the factories almost certainly the worst part of the lot has to be the slave trade where hundreds of thousands of uh, black people were um, taken from their homelands, put into slavery and treated in, in the harshest way for hundreds of years. And and much of the uh, of the riches uh, that came out of um, the the Industrial Revolution and the and the British Empire was built on the back of. The of the horrendous
2: treatments that we did to uh, those black people who were enslaved. I think that's very interesting that what you point out there Mark there's, there's quite um, an intense debate at the moment in the news in the United Kingdom um, obviously a lot of the wealth of places like Bristol, Liverpool, Glasgow the great industrial cities that grew up a lot of that wealth Um, was drawn from the slave trade and then from the products that the slaves were growing in the Caribbean and in America. So there's a debate now about um, a lot of the street names, a lot of the statues in these places, about whether we should look at them perhaps in a different light now.
0: Language support. In this part of the podcast, I choose a few words and phrases from the episode and explain them. Today, I'm going to choose two general words or phrases that can be used in a lot of different circumstances and two that are more specific to the topic we've been talking about today. So the first general one is the phrase... At breakneck speed John used this to describe the way in which cities were rapidly expanding getting larger over a very short period of time and the phrase at breakneck speed simply means moving very fast something happening very rapidly in this case the expansion of the cities the second is the phrase to showcase something. John talked about the great exhibition that was held in which we were showcasing the inventions, the changes that were happening in British society at that time. So to showcase something is to display it, to show it off to somebody else. In this case, actually in an exhibition. But you can showcase ideas, you can showcase uh, machinery or inventions in a range of different ways. In the more specific phrases, the first one is the slums. Now, John talked a bit about the slums, but just to make sure you understand, this is about housing that is in very poor condition because lots of people were arriving in the cities uh, to work in the factories all at once there wasn't the housing for them so houses were built very quickly very poorly without proper facilities like running water and electricity in some cases so these this was very poor housing, housing in very poor conditions, and they are known as slums. And then finally, the phrase raw materials was used a few times in this episode. Now the raw materials are the materials you start with when you're going to make something else. So they are the basic starting point for producing things and in this case during the Industrial Revolution the main raw materials were things like wool from the sheep, cotton from the plants, iron ore which was found in the ground, wood and coal. So those are all examples of raw materials materials that were used to then produce other things. That's it, I hope you found this episode useful and we'll be back again with you very soon. can find the transcript that's the written version of this episode on our website www.staugustincentrehalifax.org.uk and that's where you can also find links to all the other episodes and the transcripts so you can listen and read along at the same time. That's also where you can find out how to donate to help our work. We are a charity supporting particularly refugees, asylum seekers and migrants, but also all those in need in our local area. And uh, we would welcome your support if you felt able to give it. If you follow on the website the links to get involved and donate. We also have an email address that's English for Life in the UK at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you, your thoughts on our podcast and ideas for the future. We also have a Twitter account at Esol Saint, and there is additional material on that site. I'll spell out all those addresses. So the website www dot s t a u g u s t i n e s c e n t r e h a That's the website. The email is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com and that's English for spelt F O R. And finally, the Twitter account is at capital E S O L capital S A I N. E sí.